Brother Jeremy's going to come. He's going to preach for us. And uh, we did have a little mess up with uh, where I was supposed to print something out for him, and it didn't work and all. So he's, he's relying on his thing. And so if it, if it goes blank, he says he's handing it back to me, and it might be short. We'll see. All right, Brother Jeremy. Thank you, Brother Jason. Yeah, that little mess up was my message. <laughs> no, uh, I am so happy to be at Whitfield Baptist Church this evening. Uh, and to be with you guys, I am blessed. I am blessed. Uh, I wanted to stand up and give a testimony uh, and just praise the Lord for my salvation. Uh, I praise God that He saved me. And in the fall of 1998, uh, uh, for those of you who are new here, I am the least likely candidate you would ever imagine being in this pulpit. Uh, God saved me after a hard night of partying and playing, uh, near drug overdose. Just, I was trying to enjoy my life. Uh, but I remembered some services, some messages that I'd heard at this church. Growing up, I'd been privileged to be brought in here by my aunt and my grandparents uh, and different people, and I heard the gospel time and time again. And when I was 19 years old in the fall of 1998, I trusted Lord and Savior. I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And uh, and unfortunately, I hadn't always lived for Him as I should. But uh, fortunately, God is gracious and merciful, and and He and He's patient. And I praise God for His patience, and I praise God for second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, because He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Uh, the just shall fall seven times; hey, you can rise again. And I praise God, and then, and God is. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, uh, um, God has put on our heart the the desire to plant churches. It is the church where uh, I heard the gospel, and it is the church where uh, I, I was changed. God laid on my heart to start Bible-believing churches. And if you, if I forget to tell you at the back, before you leave, you're welcome to get one of our new prayer cards back there. But we've been in South Africa now for, we've been there for seven years. Uh, the first two years we were lear learning Isposa, uh, which is one of those clicking languages. If you've ever watched Lion King or if you're carnal and watch some of these newer movies, like I think, I think, I don't know they say, like Black Panther or something like that. They talk in Isikosa. Uh, but that's the learned language, the clicking language that uh, we, uh, that we uh, have learned uh, and we are ministering in and, and to these Kosa people there in South Africa. And most people want to hear a verse or two in the language, so I'll just go ahead and give it to you so you can hear a little bit. One of the verses that, well, I'll just start in the beginning. Uh, in, Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter number 1. Because if you can believe that verse, you can believe the whole Bible. Uh, in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, in Genesis, the Bible says in Genesis, He says, Look, so Ali, this you call. Eco Alec, any what Daluchi, Amazulu Nishabat. And so, yeah, you can see what's going on in my head right now. Switching over from language to language, I'm about as confused as you are. <laughs> and, and, uh, but we've been blessed. You know, an old time preacher told me, he said, Jeremy, if you want to have success in, in South Africa before I left, because I was very, very worried about, uh, about having success. I was very, very worried about my abilities. And he said, if you want to have success, do three things stay. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can do that. Stay, work, and pray. Stay, work, and pray. And I said, I think I can do all three of those things. And we've been there for seven years. Uh, we're actually home on furlough, as you can tell, but we're going to be here for the next year. We haven't been on a furlough. Uh, I guess in the last, we, 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 we got to on the mission field in, the, uh, in, in February of 2009. And since 2009, my family has been back in the States a total of 15 months. 
And so we're looking forward to getting to know some of you guys. But, but he said, stay, work, and pray. And we've been staying, and we've been working, and we've been praying, and we've been seeing God bless. And we've been seeing God change lives. You know, something that blesses my heart is when my children, they hear testimonies of how God's changed me. They hear testimony. They hear people talk about my past, and they 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 hear it here and there about uh, my past, and they don't know that person, and they 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 have no idea about that person. It blows their mind that I was like that. But uh, but what God did in my life, He's doing in the lives of many others, uh, and and we praise God for what He's doing there in South Africa. He is He is transforming lives. He is transforming lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are seeing souls saved and lives changed. We are seeing men trained for the work of the ministry this morning. Or, yeah, just this afternoon, and we asked for prayer this morning. I was going to show you, but I didn't get a chance to get them to him in time. Uh, some uh, pictures of a new church. We started uh, Soweto Baptist Church, and it's been going for five years now. They just had their uh, missions conference last week. Uh, we were supposed to be there for it, <laughs> and but uh, we weren't. And uh, they, they went on without us, and they're doing a fantastic job in our absence, the uh, I would ask that you pray for Polisi and Likaya and and, uh, and Lulu and also uh, and Matthew. There's an easy one for you. Uh, but these guys are going on in our absence. Today they met with the community and we we built a church or a building rather. Uh, and and we're about to start Slovo Baptist Church. There's about 25 or so people in that area that have been uh, that have well a family, a whole family who has made a profession of faith, uh, been baptized, saved, and, and actually are in our Bible Institute uh, at our church there in Soweto. And uh, they have brought about about 15 teenagers. And so uh, we're anxious to start that new work there, even in our absence. Uh, but I ask that you guys continue to pray for, pray for those young people. Uh, pray for the young pastors. Uh, pray that they would continue uh, doing what they've been taught to do. Uh, Pray that they would continue in, in the good fight. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about the good fight very quickly. We just got a little bit of time. If you can go over with me to the book of Timothy. I tried to preach this the other day. I don't have any sugar sticks. I think I was telling Brother Jeremy before, before the service started. You're going to see just me in, uh, in, in my preaching. I preached this message not too long ago in Hossa. Of course, it's not going to be quite the same in English, but the truth's the truth, whether whether it's in South Africa or whether it's in America, and, uh, and it can help you, and it'll help us tonight if we, if we come in here with an open heart and, uh, and uh, open minds to receive God's Word as truth. Uh, it, can, it can change our lives. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight. I tried to, I tried to teach a little bit of this at, 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 the, at the meeting the other day, uh, and in all honesty, my nerves got the best of me a little bit, having to go after uh, some of those uh, big-name preachers, if you will. Uh, they... I, it was, it was a little different. If it falls flat tonight, I'm going to put this message away and I'm going to try another one. <laughs> so, but I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting God to use it. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the good fight right here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, one preacher said, if you want to find the keys to a book, uh, if you want to find the keys to a book, it's kind of like, finding, kind of like this. If you, if, you, if you want to find, if, you, if you're going to uh, hide keys to a house, uh, you're going to put them near the front door or near the back door. Uh, and it's the same with the Word of God many times. Uh, if you want to understand a book, many times the God of heaven has placed in the beginning or in the end uh, the key to understanding that book. And fortunately in this book, 
There's a key at the front door and the back door. God wanted to make sure that we understood. And we understand that this book is all about a good fight. Uh, the Apostle Paul, and he's here with his, he's writing this to his son Timothy. And I'm going to give you a little context, and then we're going to read the text. And I'm going to just explain these verses a little bit, and, and then we'll go home. But uh, Paul here is, is, has left Timothy in a, in a mess, in all honesty. When you, when you begin to read this book, there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of issues in, in this church at Ephesus. In chapter number 1, in verse number 3, you see the main issue in this text, the main issue in this church at Ephesus was bad doctrine. Uh, in chapter number 1, verse number 3, it says, And I besought thee still to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest change some, uh, charge some sorry, that they teach no other doctrine. So Timothy is left here in Ephesus, and, and he's left in a fight. And Paul uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, uh, Timothy is getting a little discouraged in this fight. He's, he's a young minister, and Paul's left him there to minister in Ephesus. And the God of heaven looked down and didn't forget Timothy. And, and he saw Paul, and he said, Paul, write this letter to Timothy. He, gave, he inspired Paul to write this letter to encourage Timothy to stay in the good fight. He's just simply going to remind him of some things that he already knows because Timothy had already been invested in. He already had some incredibly good doctrine. The, pro the problem with, with all the issues that were going on in this church had to do with bad doctrine. You had men and women and women. There's reason each and every one of these verses are included in the Scriptures because these were actual issues within the church in that day. And if you go out in the, in the world today, you're going to see these very issues within each and every... Church, not every church, but you're going to see many of them within many of the churches today. But there, uh, there were men and women standing up and, and preaching and teaching the Word of God. Chapter number 1, verse number 7 says they didn't even know what they were talking about. They were standing up teaching doctrines, but they had no idea. Chapter number 1, verse number 7 says, but they uh, but refused. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number, where is it? Yes, chapter number 1, verse number 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what nor whereof they affirm. So these people were inside. They had infiltrated this church at Ephesus, and they, had not, they didn't even understand what they were talking about. They were standing up preaching, and Paul left Timothy there. And there's all of these issues, all of these things. And Timothy undoubtedly is getting, uh, getting a little discouraged. What do I do? And God of heaven looks down, and he, and he gives him this letter to help him out and stay on course and stay in the right fight. And tonight, I want to, I want to encourage you to stay in the right fight. Yeah, I want to encourage you to stay in the right fight. There are, there are innumerable, uh, un uh, innumerable, what's the, what's the word in English? Innumerable fights that we can get in, involved in, but there is a good fight. And I want to encourage you tonight to stay in the good fight. If I want to be a good minister of, of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, chapter number four, verse number, verse number six, I love how God makes it easy. Look what he says here. He says, if thou want to be uh, a good minister, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And that's all I want to do, whether it's here, whether it's in South Africa. That's all any of us should desire to be, are good ministers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want to be a good minister, so I want to put you, as, Tim, as Paul put Timothy, in remembrance of these things. And in putting you and, and me in remembrance of these things, I will be considered a good minister tonight. And it will help us to stay in the good fight. We want to stay in the good fight. We want to stay in the right fight. So I'm going to read chapter number 6, and I'm going to read verses number 1 through verses number 12. But before I read that, I want to remind you, man, Satan is masterful. 
He is incredibly masterful. He is good at what he does. He is great. I mean, he is really good at putting counterfeits before our eyes. I mean, he is incredibly good at what he does. He has a lot of years in the ministry, in the, in the ministry, in the, in the business. He's, he has a lot of years in the business. And I shared this earlier this week. But, uh, you know, his counterfeits are very attractive. And we know all about counterfeits. I remember the first time, or actually the first time I can remember being uh, being duped or being tricked into buying a counterfeit. If you've been to Peru, most of you have been to Peru before we went to South Africa. We ministered in Peru. And if, you, if you've been down there, you've definitely seen the markets, the open-air markets and things of that nature. And you've seen counterfeits. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Knockoffs are everywhere. Those Chinese are good at making counterfeits. They come from China. More than just the virus. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> they come, these counterfeits, I mean, and, and man, you can be warned of these things time and time again, but when you go over and you put on some Oakley sunglasses and all of a sudden you feel that and it feels real and it looks real and, and next thing you know, you're pulling out your wallet and you're paying a price for these things, but we all understand what happens. Just a few days down the road, you're going to realize what you got because they're going to break and you're going to end up with empty hands. And that's with all counterfeits. And Satan is wanting you and me to end up with empty hands. He's wanting wanting us to get into the wrong fight. And there are many churches duped into the wrong fight. And the wrong fight is brought about, and let me tell you this, and we're going to see this in just a minute, by wrong doctrine. It's doctrine that has seeped into our churches and doctrine that has seeped into our homes into our homes, and we got to stay in the right fight. It's going to take an extreme amount of effort to stay in the right. It's a fight. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in, been in a fight. I had a bad reputation before, and I've been in several fights. It takes an extreme amount of effort to stay in the right fight and win the right fight. And I want to share just a few, th- a few elements of this right fight with you just very quickly, and then we're going to close tonight. Are you in the right fight? What are you fighting? Let's read chapter number 6. In verse number 1, we're going to read down to verse number 12. The Bible says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine, that's a key word all throughout this book. You should go through this book at home and circle this word doctrine. And another word I'll show you in just a minute. That the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Verse number 3, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord and Savior, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. There's the issue. There's the issue. Doctrine according to godliness. What Satan wants you to do is get into the wrong fight. What Satan wants me to do is get into the wrong fight. He wants us, I'll explain this in just a minute, but underline this and remember, doctrines according to godliness, the key, the root of the issue. He wants us to be so consumed with plucking the fruit off and not attacking the root. And the right fight is attacking the root. 
And the root of the issue is ungodliness. The root of the whole issue, the fight that you and I are in, is a fight against ungodliness. Ungodliness. And it's according to doctrine. Doctrine, right doctrine leads to godliness. Wrong doctrine, doctrines of devils, which chapter number 4, verse number 1, tells us in this book, chapter number 4, verse number 1, it says this, the Spirit speaking expressly in latter times, that's in our days, some shall depart from the faith in giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils will lead to ungodly living in the wrong fight. We'll get back to that. And to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud. So this guy who's teaching these things, he's proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strives of words whereof coming cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings and perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself, the Bible says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We heard about that this morning. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, have erred from the faith, and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, here's the, here's the charge to Timothy, here's the charge to every father, every leader. This is a book to leaders. This is a pastoral epistle. It's, it's to you as a father. It's to you as a, as a, as a Sunday school leader. It's, it's to you as the, maybe the leader in your home. But thou, O man of God, thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight. There's the key. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's pray. God in heaven, I pray now that you would help us. I pray that you'd help me. As I try to expound on your scriptures, Lord, I pray, God, that you would fill me with your spirit and that you would help me to clarify these things. And Lord, I pray, God, that your spirit would use your word to convict hearts, that you would have your perfect will and your perfect way in this congregation tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the ministry. Thank you for your truth that you've placed in our hands in a language we can understand. God, who are we to have your scriptures, your word, in a language we can understand? You have given us everything we need, God. You are a good and merciful and gracious God. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us a church that preaches good doctrine. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do tonight. There be one in here tonight that don't know you as Savior, that, that is ungodly. Because he's never come to know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would give him faith tonight to believe, to trust in you as the only way to be made right. God, thank you for the fight you've given us. Thank you for the, the purpose you've given us in this life. And I pray, God, that you'd strengthen your people now to stay in the good fight. I ask these things in Christ's name and for his honor, for his glory. Amen. So the wrong fight, brethren, is fought because doctrines of devils have entered into 
pulpits. I'm not saying they've entered in this pulpit, but they've entered into pulpits and they've entered into homes. The Bible says clearly in latter times, in our days, in our days, don't think for a moment we are exempt from this. In our days, many men are going to stand up and they're going to share these doctrines and it's going to lead even some of the elect astray if you listen to Jesus' words over in Matthew. And the question I have for you, are you in the right fight? you got to understand first and foremost, before I get into uh, elements of the good fight, you got to understand the right fight is, the right fight is making godly men. Making godly men. That, that is the right fight. That's why we are left here. All this craziness, all this madness that's been happening in our world, God has not lost control. And we praise God for His promises that, that tell us this. We have His promises that say, all things work together for good to them. And this is paraphrased, because <laughs> I, I don't know it in English. Uh, give, me a, give me a few more months and maybe I'll be able to re- remember these verses in English. But all things work together for good to them. For the call, let's go there, because I'm struggling. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28, because i gotta show, I got to show you the next verse, because Brother Wayne, pastor always tells us you can't read verse number 28 without reading verse number 29, right? Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28 and 29, if I can find it in my Bible. Romans 8, 28 and 29, the Bible says, and we know that all things, praise God, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's to be conformed, to be godly. So the purpose we are left here is to be godly. We are going to be... God made you and made me in His image, or made Adam, actually. We say we're made in the image of God, but that image was marred a long time ago. And, and God is wanting to make us into the image of His Son. He is wanting to make us into these godly creatures so that we would have communion with the God of heaven. Who are we to have such a privilege? And He's going to continue this process. It started at salvation. It's going to continue all the way until we meet Jesus face to face. And our purpose, the good fight, is making godly men. Remember that. Remember the good fight consists of being part of this process of making godly men conform to the image of God. Those He foreknew. Those a group of people before the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us He didn't, He didn't, He didn't, Elect these people unto salvation, but he predestinated them that would believe to be conformed into the image of his son. And so we are going to be made in the image of his son. And if you are in any other fight, you're plucking fruit. If you're in any other fight, you're not attacking the root. And we, we, we are called to a good fight. I don't know if you're following me tonight, but we are called to a good fight. We are called to attack the root. Ungodliness. And ungodliness is addressed by right doctrine. Man, I wish I could take you to Africa. These people, it's charismatic chaos. One author put it that way. One author said, it's char- and it's charismatic chaos. It's, there is no doctrine. You can sit there and preach and teach, and they are repeating the verses back to you. You're out witnessing and testifying on a Saturday afternoon. And, and, and they are sitting there 
doing works to their ancestors, drinking a beer, and you're talking to them, giving them scriptures. I began to give you John 3.16, and they're quoting it back to me. You can be saved by faith, by grace through faith, and they're repeating it back to me. And it's like, dear God, what is going on? What is going on? As they're doing works to their ancestors and drinking, getting drunk. There's a right fight. And it's more than just quoting some scriptures. There were guys in this church who stood up and used the law. They had no idea what they were talking about. No idea. Doctrine is vitally important. Doctrine is incredibly important. It's through doctrine that we contribute to this process that God has put us here to do. The perfecting of the saints. God has given you and me an incredible, an incredible opportunity to have a part in the perfecting of the saints. And it happens through the local church, but there are many counterfeits. And these counterfeits were in their day, and they're going to be worse today. There are going to be a lot of them today. Where there are going to be lots of counterfeits, and it's incredible how applicable just these few verses are right here when you really understand. In the very first verse, you got these guys who are being taught. First, chapter number six, verse number, verse number, let's see if I can find my Bible again. Babe, we're going to have to get a bigger Bible. My eyes have changed <laughs> since, since I came back. I haven't preached in this English Bible since I left, and these verses are tiny. What happened? Uh, Lord help me. All right, we're getting over there. First Timothy chapter number six. Look at verse number, look at verse number one and number two. And if there's ever a fight that seemed appealing, look at this. He's talking about slaves and owners. And he's talking about a yoke within the church. But I want to tell you, these guys were being taught wrong stuff. And there's a lot of churches that are being taught wrong stuff today. This ain't got nothing to do with condemning or condoning slavery. Nothing. It's not, the Bible here is neither condemning or condoning. I don't think you and I would ever think slavery was a good thing. The only yoke I want to be under is the yoke with Jesus Christ. But this is not neither, that's neither here nor there with these verses right here. What is Paul talking about here? And I want to give you some elements to the right fight through these verses right here. The first thing I want you to write down, and I want you to remember this very quickly. We're going to have to begin to teach and take personal responsibility to be godly. You and me, take it personal. That's what these two verses are all about. He's teaching these slaves. These slaves here undoubtedly, these verses are not condemning or condoning slavery. These servants, it says, let, let as many servants, you can use slave there, you can use employee there if you want to. Some people like to soften it up and say employee, but it says servant, and it says master. I've never called my, my, uh, my, my boss master, but you can do that if you'd like. It's still applicable. He says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. 
And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. What you have here are servants who are being taught to think contrary to right doctrine. They were, they were being taught. That's why it's put in here. Timothy was set there to put doctrine in, in, in order within this church, and these servants were being taught that they were now equal on an equal level, and they didn't need to. Maybe, they, maybe they'd be taught that they deserved to get out from under that yoke. Maybe they were being taught that they didn't need to serve or to work as hard anymore. But what did Paul tell Timothy? What did he tell him? You get up and you protest this injustice. No. Honor them. Hmm. That is as countercultural as you could possibly imagine today. Honor them. Honor them. God's ways are not our ways. We heard that this morning in Sunday school. That the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Paul says the way that slave was going to react to his master's authority, the way you react to authority, the way I react to every authority would affect the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The servant needed to know God's way. He needed to know the right way. And he needed to submit unto the right way. Way those Africans where I need to know work, they need to know the right way so they can submit to the right way. You have been given the right way. Stay in the right fight. God's way is countercultural. The servant was to trust God's way, and guess what would happen? All would benefit. The way they were being taught, the way these servants were being taught, would not affect real change. It was not going to affect the real change that they were desiring. You and I, that teaches us something. We've got to learn to trust God's way even when it doesn't make sense. Maybe they're being treated bad. What was the servant to do? Honor. Honor those that are in authority. Paul is focusing on something here. And you and I, if we're going to stay in the right fight, we've got to focus on this. Individual. Personal responsibility to godliness. Individual, personal responsibility to godliness. Injustices are always about focusing on others and their ungodliness. Injustices are always about focusing on others and how ungodly they are. Fixing the wrong of others is the wrong fight. Slaves were not to right the wrongs of others. They were to work on their own selves. We heard last week, they were to be salt. They were to be salt. Satan has got the church in the wrong fight. We're to be salt. Salt, man, I hate meat without salt. But you throw a little salt on there, and it changes everything. You be salty as Pastor taught us last week. They were to be light. Light in darkness. Light changes its surrounding. The glory, the grace of God is within you. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Be who you're called to be. And the God of heaven will work miracles. Take personal responsibility to be godly. Any other fight is futile. Satan's counterfeits are very appealing. But God's ways are right. God's ways are right. They will affect real 
and lasting change. You won't be left like those sunglasses with empty hands in the end if you just trust God's ways. The fight for equality was the wrong fight. They were to be salt. Because others are wicked, it never gives us the right to ignore God's way. Never gives you the the right to sit down on the job. Well, they don't pay me enough. I just they I just I just still still some time. Do you see it like that in your own life? Just let it let as many servants as be under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Don't blaspheme the Word of God and His name. His name's at stake. And Paul tells Timothy, teach and exhort these things. So we've got to take responsibility. We've got to take personal responsibility to be godly. Us personally, you personally, me personally, we take personal responsibility to be godly. As Paul was instructing these slaves, we are slaves of Jesus Christ. We take personal responsibility to be godly. And then what we're going to do, we're going to teach these things. Taking personal responsibility for teaching wholesome words. Chapter number, uh, verse number three, verse number four. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words even the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to the doctrine which is according to, say that word with me, godliness. It's all about godliness. The root is ungodliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strides of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men with corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing, this is ever applicable, it's applicable right here in the United States. That gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. So every believer, you, me, every one of us are to teach and exhort these things. Mama, Daddy, we teach our children personal responsibility. Amen? We teach, we teach it by demonstrating. You know, it's more caught than it is taught. It, that's, I, I was, I, I was, that was meshed in my head and in my brain by uh, Brother Austin Gardner. It's more caught than it is taught, Jeremy. It's more, so you've got to live this out in front of them. We teach this personal responsibility by demonstrating it, and it's time we take personal responsibility for teaching wholesome words. Personal responsibility for teaching wholesome words. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's my opinion. And I'll give you my opinion real quick. I think many are devastated by this election because we depend way too much on the government. We pretend like we want less government. But man, we depend on them for everything. Let me ask you a serious question. Got somebody here that's going into schools. Do we think the government is teaching wholesome words? I... One preacher said it like this. We cannot continue to send our children. We cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. We can't do that. 
That's why when I get back to South Africa, this is eating my lunch. I'm starting a Christian school. I've been sending my own kids. Caesar, I know what they teach. Because my wife sits down. Well, my wife knows more than me because she sits down every afternoon after school and has to correct three quarters of what they've been taught. And if you don't think you need to do the same, you have been fooled. Do we think the government is teaching wholesome words? It is absolutely absurd to expect our pastors, our Sunday schools, our teachers, in two to three hours a week to undo 20 to 30 hours a week. Absurd. Personal responsibility is is taught through your actions. Do we believe these verses? If any man teach otherwise, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, that's of course the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to doctrine which is according to godliness, listen to this, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions of strides, of words, whereof cometh envy, strifes, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. If he's teaching anything other than wholesome words, he is a know-nothing, according to this. And we are sending our kids to know-nothings, According to this, we are entrusting our greatest blessings to know nothings, to people who have corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Are we compromisers? We'll let them educate our kids because we've believed the lie that they get a good education, they can go make a good living. Have you believed the lie? Oh, if they can go make a good living, godliness is gained. Do these things sound familiar? If they get a good education, boy, they're going to be able to make a good living. Is that what a good education is? Have we swallowed up the counterfeits of Satan? Have we fallen for the fate that will leave our children empty-handed? We're tricked by Satan. These people in... God forbid the church today, tricked by Satan, we heard it this morning, into believing money would give them what godliness provides. Successful lives. Successful ministries. Successful homes. Security. Pastor said it this morning. Peace, honor, dignity, meaning, abundant life. All of which is found in and only through Jesus Christ all of which is found in and through Him. They begin to teach these things, these doctrines of devils. i got to hurry. The church, the pulpit, it was full of people who had, had a desire. They stood up. They didn't know what they were talking about. No idea what they were talking about. Desiring to be teachers of law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. The people who teach otherwise, chapter number, four, uh, chapter number 6, verse number 4 says this. They're going to be wordsmiths. You won't want to argue with them because they'll know how to battle with their words. Their words are going to cause their followers to envy, the Bible says, to strife, to railings. You know what that word means? To vilify those that don't think like them. Hmm, that sounds familiar. 
to evil surmisings. You want to know what that means in the original text? To make plans of getting retribution. Boy, it's amazing how applicable the Scripture is. These guys are perverse, Chapter, verse number 5. They have corrupt minds. Behind their action was the desire, the love for money. The man who stands and teaches wholesome words, the words of Jesus, doctrine according to godliness, doctrine according to godliness is what will attack the root and affect real change. The root is ungodliness. Ungodliness, bad teaching, bad doctrine. Any other fight, brethren, will leave you empty-handed. It will leave you empty-handed. The Bible says this. This is what got me. I mean, I, I go ahead and tell you. From such withdraw thyself. From such send your children to be educated. We can make every excuse in the world, but the God of heaven has provided for you in your language, in my language, the process of sanctification. He's provided for you and for me, and we have to make the decision. Am I going to believe the Word of God, or am I going to believe my culture? Am I going to believe His Word? Am I going to trust His Word? Am I going to trust Him? Or am I going to trust in myself? My time's up. I still had another point to do. Maybe another day. But are you, man of God, I'm done. Are you in the right fight? Or have you been tricked? Have you been duped by Satan into being in the wrong fight? The right fight, remember, the right fight makes godly men and women. The right fight. What fight are you in? What fight are you in? We're in a fight. And I wanted to tell you about exercising yourself unto godliness. That's my next point. We'll get that some other day. But we got to be exercising. we got to demonstrate. That's like a six-letter cuss word. Exercising ourselves unto godliness. Our children need to see us exercising. Chapter number four, you can go study it on your own. You'll get some exercises to perform in front of your kids to demonstrate for them the right fight. And you get all, all sorts of good little things, nuggets. I mean, incredible things that will change your life. Go study it. But are you in the right fight? Are you in the right fight? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I thank you for putting it in my language and allowing me to understand it. I thank you for convicting my heart about being in the wrong fight many times, even as a missionary pastor. I pray to God that you'd take my words, my actions, my feeble efforts at this moment, and that you'd use them for your kingdom's sake. God, I pray that you would strengthen us in, in, in your truth tonight. I pray that we would Re-examine our lives and see whether it is that, what it is that we are fighting for. God, help us to get in the fight, the right fight. Help us to see it. Help us to repent. Help us to make the right decisions. Now, as, pa as Pastor Jason comes forward, I just want to ask you a couple questions. What kind of excuses are you making? Or who are you blaming? There's a blame game in the United States. We've got to take personal responsibility to be godly. We're all going to stand before God and give an account. There ain't going to be any 
room for blaming anybody else. God of heaven has been good to us. I don't know how the Lord has touched your heart this evening, but I pray you would respond appropriately. I pray you would, maybe in your seat, begin to ask God how it is that you've not been responsible for your own godliness. Maybe you've been blaming some other some other's actions for your inactions. Take this time now in your seat where you are or come up here to the altar and ask the God of heaven forgiveness first. Maybe the Lord's pressed upon your heart. Teach wholesome words. Maybe you've not even been doing that at your house. Let's make some decisions. God has blessed us to allow us to hear His Word being preached tonight. Most importantly tonight, if you're here and you're not saved, there's no way you're godly. Godliness is through Jesus Christ. Through His imputed righteousness on your behalf. God of heaven wants to have sweet communion and fellowship with you. That's why He created you. So that He would transform and conform you into the image of His dear Son. And that you would have fellowship with Him as a Father for the Son. The God of heaven wants to have that with you tonight. If you're not saved, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, never repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus, as the only acceptable way of salvation. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. Get that right now. 